When Mark wrote his gospel, he relied exclusively on the apostle Peter for his information. Peter was under arrest in Rome, awaiting his execution. It was there that Peter shared with Mark his memories of what Jesus said and did. As there wasn't very much time, Mark had to make critical decisions about what he would record, write down, and what he would leave out. This may explain why Mark presents one incident, one teaching, right after another without seeming to take a breath. For Mark, the gospel has one overarching imperative. To proclaim that in Jesus Christ, the only Son of the living God, that kingdom of God has broken into human time and history to guide human time and history to its proper end, union with God, and there is no power that will stop it. Now Mark begins his gospel not with an account of Jesus' birth, But in rapid-fire succession, the ministry of John the Baptist, then Jesus' baptism, then Jesus being driven into the desert by the Holy Spirit, then Jesus being tempted by Satan, and then Jesus being ministered to by angels. It is not by accident, then, that Mark's first recorded miracle is the expulsion of a demon from a man during a worship service, the Shabbos service in the synagogue at Capernaum. The exchange between the demons and Christ has much to teach us. First, it underscores what should be self-evident. Demons, fallen angels, are real. I know that offends some of the sophisticated Christians, but if you don't believe they're real, you're rather in an awkward position because you're contradicting Jesus You're contradicting the whole of sacred scripture, and you're contradicting the whole of sacred tradition. One has declared oneself to be his or her supreme authority, and that never amounts to anything stable. Second, the demons possessed a man and were present in the synagogue during worship, telling us that they hate human beings and they hate anything everything that is holy. Now, why do they hate us? We inferior creatures have one thing they once had, but eternally lost, God's love. These incredibly intelligent and powerful creatures made a fundamental existential choice. Reject God. The more intelligent the creature, The more superior its free will, the more serious the consequences. Now, Scripture is silent as to why, when, or how the fallen angels wound up in their current state. The only comments we have from Scripture are Luke chapter 10, verse 18, where Jesus is recorded as saying, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky, reaffirming that Jesus has eternally been one with the Father. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they did not prevail, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. 
The huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. The bottom line, the demons are creatures without hope and intensely hate us because we have hope. Unless we fall for the relentless bombardment of their temptations to give up hope, as I fear many in today's world are now doing. Demons hate whatever is holy because it's a bitter reminder of how they rejected the supremely good nature they were created with, the intimacy they had with God and can never retrieve. I remember visiting with a Trappist monk once who said, there are more demons outside the doors of church after mass than any place else. Personally, I think more mortal sins are committed in church parking lots. But. Now third, notice the language. Jesus had just finished teaching. We do not know what he said, only that the people were spellbound by his unique authority. The unclean spirit cried out, what have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? In both sentences, there is the use of the plural, us. Demons still retain their immense powers as angels. They are incorporeal creatures, not bound by the laws of space, time, and physics. There could have been many in that poor man. But then we hear, I know who you are the Holy One of God. Now, why shift from the plural to the singular? Well, since the good angels are in a hierarchical order, seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominations, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels, it's reasonable to assume that so too are the demons who came from those various ranks. And here, the highest-ranking one speaks on behalf of the collective in a futile effort to intimidate or frighten Jesus. Fourth, notice that the demon told the truth. He properly identified Jesus as the Holy One of God. He spoke the truth, however, not as you and I do, out of faith or out of love but as a way of deceiving others by revealing who Jesus is before the time Jesus wanted. Jesus never compels belief, but wants people to come to him of their own free will. The demons wanted to sabotage Jesus by revealing his identity before the proper time, knowing it would create chaos and division in which demons revel. When demons speak the truth, their goal is always to deceive and harm us. Fifth, the demons then and today are no match for Jesus. He did not answer their question, teaching us there can be no conversation with evil. He immediately gave them two commands, which they had to obey precisely because Jesus is God and shares with God supreme authority over all creatures and over all creation. 
Jesus' first command was quiet. Actually, the word better translates as be muzzled, like you put a muzzle on a dog. Be muzzled, as if Jesus was frustrating their objective. The second command was come out of him. The two together make it clear that Jesus is the lover of mankind in whose kingdom the power of demons is rendered impotent. The gospel is telling us that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one are locked in mortal combat for every human soul and remain so until the Lord returns, may it be today. But it also offers the consoling truth that through his cross and resurrection, Jesus has already won the war. It is for each person and each generation to cling to this truth and use the graces we are given to endure and prevail over our temptations, to recognize and dismiss the partial truths that contain a poison of lies, and to fend off the sniper attacks and the skirmishes the evil one sets for us. We are always given those graces to fight. The only question is, Will we fight?